Welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a former teacher turned entrepreneur here to help you navigate the messiness of mom life and biz life. Each week, my guest and I will share our experiences, insights, and tips to help you move your business from survival mode to success mode. So grab your favorite drink and let's dive in because this girl means business. Hey there, and welcome to episode 182 of the Girl Means Business podcast. This week's topic is one that I am extremely passionate about and is near and dear to my heart, and that is the idea of creating a life that's yours, creating a life outside of the expectations of friends and family and society, creating a life that is on your terms and on your schedule. This is something that I struggled with a lot in my early 20s was that I was I felt like I was living a life of what other people wanted me to be doing whether that was in my career choices, my lifestyle choices, my relationship choices, where I lived, how I lived, all these things were kind of dictated by either societal norms or what other people were I thought were expecting of me and it wasn't until I was in my late 20s, early 30s, that I really discovered what it means to live life on my terms. And that's what led me to starting my photography business, which led me to leaving my teaching career, which led me to the Girl Means Business brand and what I'm doing right now. And I can say that I've created this life where I am truly living life on my terms. That if it is something that brings me joy and makes me happy, I put more of it into my life. It's something that doesn't bring me joy and doesn't make me happy. I take it out of my life. I spend less time there. And I didn't always have that. And so if you're listening to this and you are in that place where you are still feeling like you're kind of stuck in that living life on other people's terms, I want you to really listen to my conversation today with my guest, Kelly Moore. Not only is her story really inspiring, but I want it to be an example of how you can go from having sort of this one vision for what your life should be or could be to what you want your life to be. And I encourage you to take a few moments, maybe even hit pause right here or at the end of the episode, take a few minutes if you've never really thought about it, what do you want your life to look like? Because for a lot of us, we may not have even thought about it. We've just kind of gone through the motions of this is the path I'm going to take through life. And have you really stopped and thought about what do I want my life to look like? What do I want my days to look like? And I want you to take a moment to sit down and whether it's visualizing or writing it out or recording it and just saying it into your phone so you have a recorded record of it. But I want you to really think through and put pen to paper of what does your perfect life look like? Maybe not perfect. Nobody's life is perfect. But what do you want your life to look like? Does it mean that you get up every morning and go to a job that you really love and be surrounded by people that you enjoy working with? For some people, that's it. Maybe it is you want to wake up every morning and have the freedom to plan your day yourself. Maybe you want to go work out first thing in the morning or go for a hike Or maybe you want the flexibility to travel no matter what time of year without having to take vacation days. Or maybe your perfect life is living somewhere else or it's a different career than you already have. So take the time to really go through that and start to visualize 
what do I want my ideal life and days to look like? And then how can I work towards creating that and making it a reality? I know this sounds a little like woo-woo and like, let's manifest your perfect life, but it really does work, I promise you, because several years ago, I was at a conference, they had us do this visualization, I can't say that word very easily, and journaling strategy where we sat quietly for a few minutes with our eyes closed and we envisioned what our perfect day would look like. Not a vacation day, like a perfect day-to-day life day would look like. And then we wrote it out on a piece of paper. And I still have that journal where I wrote it in. And I went back right before I was recording this episode and I was looking at what did I put down on that paper? And when I go back and look at it, it's not word for word exactly what my life looks like every day now, but it's pretty darn close. I mean, like it's close. (laughs) And it was such a good reminder of one, how far I've come in creating my perfect life, creating a life that's for me. And two, of just how powerful writing those things down is because for months after going to that conference, I would refer back to that paper and go, I want to be able to do this in my day. I want to be able to, one of them was have an office space where I truly enjoy coming into my office space and working in here and getting things done. And I've created that. I now have an office space that I truly enjoy being in and being a part of every day. And so write it down, hit pause, take a moment to visualize, write down what you want it to look like, and then come back and listen to this episode or do it when you're done with this episode. But I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to actually take action on this. This is your homework assignment. I don't give you homework assignments, but maybe I should. I'll pull out my teacher card here and say, I'm giving you a homework assignment, and that is to Write down what your perfect life looks like. I keep saying perfect. That's not the word I mean. Write down what your life looks like when you're in control of it. And then what can you do to start creating that? So in case you couldn't tell from the rambling, the homework assigning, this is really something I am very passionate about helping women to break free from and create in their own lives. And our guest this week, Kelly, is just as passionate. Her story is incredible. It's inspiring. I can't wait for you to listen to it. So I will stop rambling. You're tired of listening to me talk. And let's get into my interview today with Kelly Moore. All right. Welcome, Kelly Moore, to the Girl Means Business podcast. Hi, Kelly. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm excited to chat with you today. Before we get into our conversation, because I think it's going to be a really good one today, I'm excited about it. I want you to share with us a little bit about your journey and your story. I know you mentioned you have a TV background and now you're doing podcasting and all these other things. So kind of give us the like Cliff Notes version of you. Yeah. So... I was a TV host for about 14 years and was an athlete. So I worked in sports. It was sort of the natural progression for me. And um, I ended my career covering the Lakers and the Dodgers, which at the time, you know, it had felt like the dream job, like I had achieved so much. And I was, you know, in my 20s, making a ton of money, had the Louis Vuitton bag and the Mercedes and thought it was so cool and special. And I would go to the grocery store in LA and people knew who I was. And I'm like, I've made it. And then I remember looking at myself in the mirror one day and I was like, I don't recognize myself. I don't know who I am. I'm miserable. I'm sick. I'm unhappy. I don't like myself. 
And I just didn't know how I had gotten there. And, you know, looking back on that now, I realized it was just a life of people pleasing and living up to others, other people's expectations and what they wanted from me. And, and so I sort of burned it all to the ground and left that career. And I had also been dealing with 14 years of chronic illness. So I was extremely sick and bedridden multiple times during that time, suicidal, depressed, couldn't see straight, couldn't stand up straight. Um, so it was a really, really hard time. I was almost living a double life in a lot of ways. Like, oh, there's the cute girl with the dress on TV and talking to all the famous people. And then I'd go home and like want to die because I was in so much pain. And so when I ended that, I just kept thinking, what is it that I want to do with my life? Like, what can I do with the skills I have, which is interviewing athletes on television and six months at Lululemon? Like, I don't have a lot of other skills. Um, my resume is questionable at best. And I just realized that I wanted to help women and I wanted to give them accesses, access to resources and conversations that helped me heal. Um from chronic illness and listening to podcasts, that was really what opened my eyes to what was possible. And so um, I started my podcast like four years ago and just started having conversations and I loved it. And then shortly after that, started Soulfire Productions with my now husband. Um, and so now we support other podcasters. We have about 40 podcasts that we produce and do you know, all of their production from audio to video and marketing and strategy and everything. Um, many of which are women, which is really cool for me to be able to be in a space where not only is my team mostly women, so I get to lead and work with women, but I also get to support women who are in the podcast space, who are having very important conversations, who need a bigger platform, who need support, um, and who understand what it's like to have transparency and community and really be there for one another. So I think that's my cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Now that's an incredible story. I love that. And I love that you were saying too, like that you were living kind of this double life. I think that unfortunately, a lot of people can relate to that in some way, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, not, maybe not as extreme, like extreme on either end. But I think in some ways as women, a lot of times we do kind of lead a double life. I know for me, when I was teaching, like I would go to work every day and not that I was so far different from like my teacher persona, but you have to kind of put on this facade of like being a certain way in your life. And then you go home and you are this other person, or like if you're running a business in the, in the evenings, you're kind of like, okay, well, I'm teacher by day, photographer by night or whatever it is that you're doing. So I think a lot of people can relate to that on some level. And then of course the people pleasing, I mean, are you even a woman if you don't like try to <laughs> make yeah, everybody right? happy in some way, shape or form? <laughs> I know it's, it does feel so ingrained in who we are. And it's interesting because my mom was not a people pleaser. She was extremely manipulative and narcissistic. And I think that's why I ended up being such a people pleaser is because I, all I cared about was her being proud of me and happy and doing whatever she wanted and living up to her expectations and what she wanted in the world for herself. And much of her life was her living vicariously through me. And so I just put so much pressure on myself to be perfect and to do it the way I thought she wanted me to. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. I remember when I turned 27 and I realized that so much of my life had been dictated by her and it was so subconscious in so many ways. And I started to pull away and realize, oh my God, I'm not even my own person. Like, I don't even know how to make decisions for myself. I call my mom 20 times a day. Like what underwear should I put on? How do I handle this situation at work? It's like, I can't even make my own damn decision. And it, it's a scary thing when you start to pull away and 
make decisions for yourself and realize that you can think for yourself and that you can honor how you're feeling. And if you don't want to do something, you don't have to do it just because so-and-so says you do. It's a, it's such a transition and I'm still in it. Like I'm, you know, newly married, not even a year now. And I still find myself falling back into those patterns of, oh, well, if he wants to do it, like, of course I'll do it when all I want to do is take a bath and everyone leave me alone, you know? So (laughs) I think it's a constant work in progress for us. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, and I don't know that you ever get to the point where you're like, because you don't want to become the opposite of that. Like you don't want to become the one who doesn't ever consider other people's feelings. So it is kind of finding that fine line, that balance in between. So I'm curious for you, when you decided to just kind of like burn it all down, as you said, and walk away and do something else, what was the tipping point? Like, what was it that made you go, okay, this has to be a change. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee, no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. Yeah, I was sexually assaulted um, by a coworker and a friend, and it, it really rocked me because I had been you know, in a position as one of the only women around, you know, cause that's what televisions, you know, sports television is, is there's not a lot of women and it's a lot of guys. And I had dealt with a lot of inappropriate behavior from a very young age. And it was always, you know, it's kind of accepted. Like people are just like, yeah, that's part of the business, you know, work your way up to the top. And I had finally reached my breaking point when all the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out. And I called my mom one day and I, I remember telling her, I didn't know that I could say something. I was watching all these famous women talking about all the things that had happened to them. And I was like, I didn't know I was allowed to speak up. And I didn't know that it was that wrong. I thought this was just something that you had to deal with. And that's when I think things really shifted for me because I realized that what was happening to me wasn't just me and that it wasn't okay. And that it was all right for me to say something. Um, And that's when I just, I knew that so much of what I had gone through was tied to being chronically sick and not feeling good about my body and having an eating disorder and, you know, not liking myself or my life and the constant need for validation and attention. It was just this vicious cycle that I had been in. And I just thought, I can't keep living like this. This isn't okay. This isn't what I want for myself. And I don't know what that means, but I just know that the way things stand as is are not okay with me and I have to do something about it. Wow. That's an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that with us. I Mm -hmm. appreciate it. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, so you go from that, obviously it's a very 
I mean, it's a big thing. It's something that you like, this was your career path essentially Mm -hmm. to, okay, now I'm going to completely pivot, do something else. What was like the next thing you went into? I mean, did you immediately kind of go podcasting or was it like sharing your story and just getting it out there and that was the medium for it? Or what was the plan if you had one at all? Yeah. I mean, initially I didn't have a plan. I actually went on leave. I was extremely sick. Once everything sort of started making sense in my brain, I was having to go to work to talk about this person and say nice things about him on television. And I was like, this guy assaulted me and I have to sit here and act like he's the greatest thing ever. And he was friends with all the people I worked with. And he's like very, you know, well-respected and revered in the community And it made me physically ill. I had diarrhea. I was throwing up every day. I was losing weight rapidly. Um, I was having to leave work early because I just, I couldn't like be there. And so I finally ended up taking leave. And so I was on leave for probably five months um, before things came forward because I ended up, you know, in a lawsuit and getting legal involved. Um, And so during that time, a lot of it was just me taking care of myself. I hadn't taken care of myself in a really long time. And I just slept and, you know, was on the couch and, you know, didn't shower for days at a time because I didn't feel well, but that's kind of what my body needed. And when I started to come out of that, when I finally told my, my bosses, I'm leaving, it was such a sense of relief because I advocated for myself really for the first time. And I said, I can't do this anymore. This isn't okay. And it was after that, that I started to get a lot of clarity. And I remember, um, the book that got me off the couch. Um, it's called disruptors by Dr. Patty Fletcher. And I was so moved by her because it was really, her whole book is so good, but what I was really taking from it was like, you get to be a disruptor. You get to change things. They don't have to be status quo. And, women have the power to do that and to advocate for themselves. And I, I, I told her, I was so lucky. She was one of the first guests on my podcast, but I told her, I was like, you got my ass off the couch. You changed my life because I hadn't had women, even though I didn't really know her, I hadn't had women advocating for me. I'd had women bullying me from a young age, bullying me in the TV industry. I didn't know what it was like to have a woman really take me under her wing and say, you got this girl, like, let's go. And that's what I felt from her. And so when I was on the couch and trying to figure out, okay, if I'm not going to do TV anymore, and I'm basically blackballed from this industry, what do I do? I just, I started to think about what really makes me happy. And so much of what I wanted to shift was the sisterhood wound that I had of being bullied and treated poorly by other women. And I didn't want to perpetuate that cycle. And So I wanted to create community with women and I also wanted to support them in their healing journeys. And I had had, like I said earlier, access to conversations and doctors and treatments that I had never heard of until I listened to some podcasts that were all about alternative medicine. And so I thought, how do I put together the fact that I love interviewing people? I love that connection. I love storytelling with this idea of helping women heal. And it just started to make sense to me. Podcasts had changed my life. So why don't I have a podcast? And, you know, I made a list of 200 guests and I just started reaching out. I was cold emailing everyone. I had no idea what I was doing. I was by myself. I didn't have equipment, but I was like, these are the people that I look up to who have changed my life, whose books I love. And almost every single person said, yes, I came from such a genuine place of like, you really changed me as a human. Like my life looks drastically different because of you. And I want to talk to you about X, Y, Z. And they said, yes. And so the podcast was born and 
um, I really just got really good during that time at listening to myself for so long. I think as the people pleaser, all I did was listen to other people. I could only hear their voices, their noise, their expectations. And I got really clear on my own intuition and my own gut feeling and just listening to that and following the breadcrumbs. And it hasn't failed me yet. That's amazing. So I've been taking notes as you're talking <laughs> and I've, I was thinking like, okay, if I, if I were, you know, someone listening to this episode, I'm thinking like, I, I feel this like in my soul, like I need to make a change. I need to stop doing the things in my life or I need to, to leave this career or whatever the situation is where they're feeling pulled to get themselves out of a situation, whether it is, I'm not happy with being, you know, in the career that I'm in, or I'm not happy being a stay-at-home mom, even though I thought that's what I wanted, or, you know, I'm not happy in how I'm the relationship I have with myself. So the things I've been writing down that you've been saying is like, take care of yourself first. So I want to kind of dive into that and I'll go to the next two. I kind of heard you say, but as far as taking care of yourself, like, what does that look like? I know for you, it kind of came like, as far as just giving yourself time to rest, but how are you continuing to ensure that you are doing things in your life to take care of yourself? So you don't get back into that, you know, place where you're unhealthy, whether it is physically or mentally or emotionally or all the things. Yeah. I mean, this is such an important question, right? And I think it's it's so different for everyone. I think the most important thing we can do is have honest conversations with ourselves. We're not honest with ourselves and we end up being martyrs and we end up as women taking care of everyone else. And then we're left to fall to pieces and we're like, I don't understand why I feel like crap. And it's like, because you let this happen, you didn't advocate for yourself. You didn't listen to yourself and say, what is it that I need? The last week I just, I broke. I like completely broke. I'm pregnant. We had two foster puppies with us. My husband's having some emotional crisis because he's come becoming a dad. So he's questioning the universe. We have two dogs. I have a business, our house, like all the things. And I, I broke, I was like, I can't do this. I resent everyone. I hate everyone. No one's taking care of me. I'm taking care of everything. And what I realized is I was like, when was the last time I took a bath? I was like, oh, damn, I have to take responsibility for this because <laughs> I had let it all go. All I cared about was making sure the puppies were getting potty trained and that my family was good. And yet I'm over here suffering silently. And then I blow. I just completely lost it. I was crying. I was angry. And I just realized like I haven't taken time to meditate. I haven't been sleeping. I haven't been taking baths, which make me so happy. I haven't been just having quiet mornings for myself. No, I just put everything aside and do for other people. And I had to take responsibility for my choices. No one else did that to me. Connor didn't say you have to do X, Y, Z. I, I chose to do that because that's my pattern. And so I think I have done a really good job of just having honest conversations with myself of when I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when I'm feeling triggered, if I'm feeling angry, if I'm feeling sad, if I'm feeling neglected, okay, what's actually going on? What is it that I need? Well, I just need to do something for me. I need to go take two hours for myself. No one bother me. And I'm going to take a bath and I'm going to read my book and do my thing. And I think that we forget that we have the power to make those choices for ourselves. And I do this too. Like we put ourselves in victim mode of like, everyone relies on me and I have to take care of everything. And as much as that may be true, especially as a mom, I'm learning that as I go and like growing this baby, I'm like, damn, I'm just a vessel for this child to grow right now. No one cares about me. 
But it's like, I still have the choice of how I want my day to go. And if that means I have to wake up an hour earlier to take that time for myself and feel refreshed and renewed and taken care of, then that's what I have to do. If I'm not doing that, then that's on me. Um, And I think the other thing is also asking for help. Like I got really clear with Connor, hey, I need you to do these three things for me because I'm starting to get really exhausted and overwhelmed and it'll take you 30 minutes and it's not that big of a deal, but for me, it's a big deal. It's like being able to just take something off of my list. And then I feel so taken care of. So then my needs are being met not only by myself, but also by my husband. And then I don't have to go into this resentment spiral. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a -a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. Yeah, I, that's so true. Like, and I, I love what you said too, about it's, it's our choice. Like, I think you're right. We like to kind of blame other people. We're like, oh, no one's taking care of us. No one's asking us, but we've put ourselves in those positions. We put ourselves in the place of I'll take care of it. I'll do it myself, that kind of thing. And I've gotten, let's say I've gotten, I'm getting better <laughs> at recognizing that in myself, you know, even little things like my girls are a little, you know, they're 10 and six now, and I'm trying to help have them do more around the house. Simple things like, Hey, go into the dishwasher. And I find myself at times like, oh, I'll just do it myself because when they do it, things get put in the wrong place. But then that's one more little thing that ends up being on that mountain of things that I can be like, Oh, I do everything around here. Nobody's helping out. Well, I'm also not asking them to, or telling them to. So I think that that idea of it's, it comes back on us and we have to advocate for ourselves and we have to speak up. I mean, little things like you mentioned, like you love to take baths and read a book. I love to read. That's one of my favorite things to do also. And a lot of times, like, I don't always have time to like, just sit with a book. I'm better at like putting in my headphones, listening to an audio book 
and doing other things. And I told my husband the other night, I was like, I've just had not even really a bad day. I just kind of had what I call like a blah day. Like I just didn't feel a hundred percent and nothing really went wrong, but nothing also like exciting happened. I was like, I just need to get my head right. And I was like, so I'm going to go lay on the bed for like 30 minutes and listen to my book. And that's just going to be what I do. And he was like, okay. But in my head, I made it into this big deal of like, oh, he's going to be irritated because he just got home from work and he wants to spend time. No, he was fine. He went out and worked in the garage and had did his own thing too. So I think that's such a good point that we need to one, like make sure we're doing that for ourselves, but two, not assume that we have to wait for somebody else to give us permission to do that in our own lives. Yeah. I mean, I've had this conversation with myself 7 million times. What does it mean if I'm not needed? I have such a deep need to be needed and it's the mom in me. I've just always been like this from a very young age. And I always ask myself, what does it mean about me if I'm not needed? What if you go read a book and your husband doesn't need you in that moment? Does it mean that he doesn't love me or he's not attracted to me or I'm boring? No, it means he's honoring that you need space and maybe he wanted space too anyway. So this totally worked out perfectly and he didn't have to be like, babe, leave me alone. I want to go work in the garage. You know what I mean? It's like we create these stories about how it makes us bad or wrong because we're not needed in that moment, because that's our whole identity is this idea of being needed. My team needs me. The company needs me. My husband needs me. The dogs need me. Okay. But if I took an hour away, does that mean now no one needs me or cares about me and I'm a failure? Like, how do we make that correlation? We just make up these stories. (laughs) It's our own wounding. Right. And so I think the more we can be honest about it's okay. If I'm not needed in this moment, I'm still loved and I'm still valued then we start to change those operating systems. And how amazing for you to be able to advocate for yourself and say, I had a blah day and I need 30 minutes and I'm going to do something that makes me feel good because then you're going to be a better wife and a better mom and a better businesswoman because you took care of yourself and everyone's going to be more excited to be around you. So you're really like, you're helping everyone more by taking time away. And it's so counterintuitive for us, but I really feel like conversations like this are so important because we have to be the ones, like you said, to give ourselves permission and not wait for someone else to say, yeah, you can go live your life and do what makes you feel good. (laughs) Yeah. And then we can't be mad when they do the things that we ask them to do. Like the whole thing with like my husband, like going in there, I'm like, wait a minute, but you're not going to like push back on me taking 30 minutes. I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you mean you're just going to let me do what I said I wanted to do? (laughs) Yeah. And I think for me, like a big part of it was having daughters. I, I, you know, I think that that it helps you put things in perspective in a way where I'm like, I don't want my girls to ever feel like they can't do these things that they can't, you know, advocate for themselves, that they can't ask for what they want or tell me what it is that they need. You know, my oldest one, we're dealing with the whole, you know, like emotions and friendship and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're getting into that like hormone phase and I'm like, Oh, good Lord, but (laughs) (laughs) it's all coming. But she, you know, we've been having conversations about like, it's okay to feel certain ways. It's okay to be frustrated with somebody. It doesn't mean that you're no longer friends with that person or that they y'all don't care about each other. It just means that sometimes you need to have away time, or sometimes you need to have, like, maybe you're mad at me because I didn't let you do something or whatever the way you wanted to fine. You can be upset with me, go take five minutes and have a break. And then we can talk about it. So that has been a huge like eye opener because they are such a mirror of who we are 
as people that you're like, oh, so that's where you got that. It's from me. And that's not a healthy way to be. So let's maybe both work on changing that. It's I mean, a kudos, huge eye opener. Yeah. Kudos to you though, for having the self-awareness to break a pattern and to give them the resources to those conversations with you and with themselves to be able to say, I'm feeling this way. And now I have a tool for how to handle that. I so wish that I had had that as a child. And I know our parents do our best. I really believe that, but I didn't feel, I didn't know how to process anger until I was in my late twenties, early thirties. I didn't, I didn't know what that means, you know? And I I remember being in my apartment and I wanted to break every window in the apartment because I had such rage coming out of me and I didn't understand what to do. And I remember I was working with someone and he was like, did you ever have a, a positive role model for how to handle anger? Did your parents process anger? And I'm like, no, they shoved it all down. It was either my mom was pulling a door off the hinges because she had lost it or she just suppressed it and was just low level angry all the time. And you felt that energy. I don't know what that means to be angry and process it and that that's a healthy thing. And I just love that your girls are having that example now, because how amazing for them to, when you're not there, be like, I feel this way. Oh yeah. Mom told me that it's okay. And that I can do this and it helps me feel better or it helps me move through it. That is like, that is everything. Well, thank you. Some days it feels like I'm doing a good job. Other days I'm like, I don't have no clue what I'm doing. I'm sure. (laughs) None of us do as as you will learn as your little one arrives and grows. But yeah, it's, you know, you have moments where you're like, I I hope I'm setting a good example or at least being proactive in helping them to see things a certain way. So like, and I truly do, like when I take these, you know, these interviews for the podcast, I'm like, a lot of it is like, helping me to learn how to be a better person so that I can help them be better people from the get-go. Yes. Um, Okay. So the next thing you mentioned, like after the whole idea of taking care of yourself was really looking at what makes you happy. Like, what are the things that truly bring you joy? And, you know, not to like go all like Marie Kondo or anything like that, but, you know, like, what is it that you enjoy doing in life? Like what sparks that? And how did you find, or how did you even begin to figure that out? Cause I think we all would say like, well, you know, for me, like reading a book makes me happy or, um, having a really great meal with friends makes me happy, but those aren't necessarily things that translate into, okay, now I can do something with that necessarily. So how did you go about figuring out those things and what to do with those once you figured out what they were? Such an amazing question. And I, yeah, let's Marie Kondo it for sure. (laughs) She's brilliant. Um, You know, for me, I grew up equating happiness to attention and validation. So I thought the feeling that you got when you won or someone said you did a really good job or you were ranked the best in the country at something that meant that I was happy. And it took me a really long time to unpack that because what I really wanted at the end of the day was just to be loved. And I would get a lot of attention from my parents that, you know, I was a really top level volleyball player in the country. I was on the cover of volleyball magazine. I was a top five recruit. I could have gone anywhere in the country and take that and then go on television. It was constant, like good job from my parents. And that's all I wanted was for them to be proud of me and to love me. And so I had to really spend a long time after I left TV because my mom was not thrilled with my choice. Um, 
to really redefine what happiness meant for me. And when I left, I didn't know what made me happy at all. Um, I had just gotten into personal development. I had just started reading books and listening to podcasts and conversations like this, where it was like, you get to choose what makes you happy. Like, I was like, what is this foreign language, you know? And for me, I just started to get really quiet with myself and I learned how to discern between what was something my parents wanted from me or for me and what I wanted from me and for me. And when I was able to start kind of sifting through that, like, oh, this belief or this need or this desire was from my mom. Okay. If that's not mine, then what is mine? And I would just kind of play this game where I would just kind of get rid of all these things that weren't mine. And then I would look at, okay, so when I go on a hike it makes me feel good. It makes my body feel good. I smile. I feel lighter after. I feel a sense of purpose. I feel a sense of accomplishment. And I would just start kind of keeping tabs on those little things that made my body feel good, that made my body react in a certain way. Um, And it was the same thing. I mean, you can talk about that in relationships and sex. Does something open you up and make you feel full and expanded and like broaden your shoulders? Or was it making me sort of cower and my shoulders coming down and making me feel whether it's empty or heavy, those bodily sensations for me, being able to translate those into understanding my own happiness and fulfillment were really important. But I think in order to get there, you have to get quiet with yourself. You have to get honest about what's yours and what's not yours. And when you get rid of that noise, you have a lot of space to start filling up things that do make you happy. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. No, I love that. And it's definitely a lot of, I think it's like getting quiet and letting yourself feel things, which for some people is intimidating. (laughs) The idea of like some people spend a lot of their time trying not to feel things, um, or at least certain emotions. And so just the idea of getting still and practicing that, whether it's through meditation or journaling or whatever it is that helps you get there. I think that's really important. I want to talk a little bit about the idea of, okay, you, you find what makes you happy. And like, in your case, you mentioned that, you know, like your parents may not have been super thrilled with you, like leaving the TV career. How do you handle it when the people around you maybe don't either appreciate or understand or can relate to the things that make you happy, the things you want to do. How do you handle that? Because not everybody's going to be supportive or excited for you. And that's really scary for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I'm sort of blunt and aggressive. (laughs) So I've gotten to a point where I just don't care because I, I lived for other people's opinions of my life for so long. And I got to a point where I was so exhausted and so chronically sick that I realized enough was enough. And I think that it oftentimes, unfortunately, for most of us, takes us getting to that point of I literally cannot do this anymore. It is going to kill me for us to make that decision and say, I just don't care what other people think. And I've gotten to a point now where I I am... I am blunt in my podcasts, on social media, in my friend group. I just say it how it is. And for so long, I thought that was such a bad thing. But what I realized is that I'm not for everyone. My life choices, the way I live in my relationship, the fact that I live on a mountain in Colorado, the fact that I left a really high paying, amazing career to most people, um, 
a lot of the life decisions I've made don't align with those people. But guess what? They don't have to live my life. So if they want to go live in a high rise in the city and work a nine to five and trek back and forth up the streets of New York City, by all means, go do that. If that's what makes you happy, I'm all for it. But that's not my life. I don't have to live yours and you don't have to live mine. And I think that when we get so stuck in having people approve of what we do, we're just not living for ourselves. We're going back into that pattern of worrying about what everyone else needs. And I really believe that we all come here on our own very specific path. And if I let someone else dictate what my path looks like, then I'm completely getting off path. I'm totally out of alignment. I'm not in integrity with myself and I'm betraying myself. So if you feel okay with betraying yourself and being out of integrity because you want to make sure that your Aunt Lucy like approves of your life, then you do you, girl. But I can almost guarantee you that it's just not worth it. And if she's going to be judgmental, that's actually a reflection of what's going on in her life. Like she could be jealous. She could be nervous. She could be uncomfortable because of her not taking that step for herself or her having an experience that left her with a bad taste in her mouth. That has nothing to do with you. I think the more we can realize that someone else's opinion and judgment has nothing to do with us, the more we can free ourselves to live our own lives. And yeah, might require some uncomfortable conversations and you might lose people along the way. But honestly, I've lost so many people. I was completely blacklisted from the sports community. I think two people from my past life talked to me. Everyone else, it was like I never existed. I have so much space for amazing people because of that who are so true and so real and so supportive. I wouldn't have had the space if I had had all these people that were sort of surface level relationships in my life, you know? And so I think that again, it's self-care it's advocating for yourself and it's making space for the people who are going to make you feel so good and who are going to support you. Even when they don't totally agree with something you're doing, my girlfriends probably think I'm crazy half the time, but they're like, go do Kelly, like whatever you want, (laughs) you know, and they're cheering me on. And that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I love that saying or that quote about the, you know, everybody else's opinion is really none of your business. Like, and I think we make up stories sometimes in our head. Like you're talking about like the whole, I've had people coaching clients or people on social media who will come to me and say like, I really want to start posting about such and such in my business or whatever, but I'm so worried about people are going to think. And I'm like, who is it you're worried about? And they'll be like, well, you know, my cousin or my grandma. And I'm like, first of all, like half the time they don't care. They just want you to be happy. And we make up these ideas and these stories in our mind that they think a certain thing about us because it's an insecurity that we have when really they may be like, Hey, go for it. Like, I'm excited for you, you know? So I I get like that people, we get in our heads and we worry about these things, but you're so right. Like it's not their life. It's yours. And imagine like, this is kind of, you know, that morbid thinking, but like you're on your deathbed. Do you want to look back and be like, oh, I'm so glad I lived my life based on what everybody else wanted. Or Mm -hmm. do you want to be like, I'm so grateful that I lived my life the way I wanted because I had so many amazing experiences because of that. And it made me so joyful and so happy. I think that's way more important than what Aunt Lucy thinks. I 100% agree with you. And I think the other thing that we do is we make everything out to be the worst thing ever. And I'm the worst person ever. And they're never going to understand. But what if we gave people the benefit of the doubt? Like I'm bisexual. And when I realized that I called my brother and a dear friend of mine, and I was sobbing and shaking and red and sweating. 
I'm like, this is going to go horribly. They're going to disapprove of me. They're going to think I'm disgusting. Like I felt so much shame and I called them both and they were both incredible. My brother was so supportive and was like, okay, cool. And my girlfriend who I thought, you know, was going to be so judgmental and like, what's wrong with you was like, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. And I was like, why have I been for months freaking out about having these conversations when I know these people love me? And though they may not live the same way as me or have the same values or beliefs as me, they love me and they want me to be happy. And I should have trusted that they would show up for me. And if they didn't, then that's okay too. But why am I not giving the people that I love the most and who love me the most the benefit of the doubt for how they get to choose to show up instead of choosing for them? Yeah, because I'm sure if they came to you, with anything like that, you would have been just as supportive of them. And we, we know that about ourselves. Like we know that if our friends came to us and said something, we'd be suit. Like if they wanted to start a business or they wanted to move across the country or they wanted to like go backpacking across wherever, like we'd be like, yeah, go do it. That's amazing. But we can't, for whatever reason, imagine them doing the same for us. It's, it's such a weird block that we have in our brains for like understanding and recognizing that, but 99% of the time, like it's, it's never as big a deal as we make it to be in our minds. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing was you had mentioned was listening to yourself. So I want to touch because we kind of have touched on this a little bit throughout, but I just want to kind of go over it one more time. And how do you learn to listen to yourself? Because like we've been talking about, you have all these other voices coming in of people around you telling you, your whole life. Like, this is what you should be doing. This is how you should be doing it. This is how you should behave or what to think or what to believe or all that, whatever it is. But how do you tune that out enough to listen to your own voice in your head? Yeah. I mean, this is probably the hardest thing and learning to listen to ourselves and learning to trust ourselves is just not something that most of us are taught um, or innately born with. And so I think the first thing, the first question I I would ask myself is you've been listening to everyone else your whole life. And how has that worked out? Because there's a reason you're here at this point saying I'm miserable. I'm sick. I'm unhappy. I'm unfulfilled. What got you there? Probably being out of alignment with your own choices and yourself and doing things for other people, or because you think that you're supposed to, or you should, because that's what society tells you. So I think getting clear on that first is really, really important because you have to be able to say those were not, you know, my own beliefs. Those are choices that I made based on other people's. Okay, so if that's the case, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. How do you sit there and discern between what's yours? I just I really think it doesn't have to be super intense and painful it can be like a little game. It's like, look at different scenarios in your life, maybe different choices that you've made. So for example, you took a job on Wall Street when you were 21 years old, just out of college, and you ended up being really miserable and having to move back home because you had a mental breakdown. Okay. So how did you end up on Wall Street at 21 years old? Who were you doing that for? Most likely at 21, you were doing that because your dad said financial stability and having a good job out of college is really important. Okay. So if you hadn't made the decision that your dad wanted you to make, what was the decision that you would have wanted to make? Maybe you like creative arts or writing or something like that. Maybe you would have gone to NYU and done a creative writing program. 
that is a great way to discern between something that someone else wanted for you and the decision you made and what that led to versus if I could do this again, or if I had another choice, what is it that was really longing in my heart? So I think if you just take every scenario and look at your response, your decision and say, where did that come from? And play the like, play the game of like, how did I make that choice? Why did I make that choice? Where did I get this idea from? When you're able to string back and say, oh, of course, because my dad taught me that financial stability is the most important thing or that I need to be a provider for my family or I need to have a stable job and a house and, you know, buy a house by 25 and invest in the stock market. Like those are all the things that we're all taught. So if you can say, I know where this idea came from, if I let that idea go, what is it that I would actually want? And it might take you time to get to that decision or that idea because you've probably never asked yourself that. Yeah. But when you're able to sit with that and really listen to yourself in quiet without your dad in your ear talking to you over and over again and let go of the fear because it's not, you're not actually changing something, right? You already went to Wall Street. Okay. So what does that look like? If you took a step into the unknown and made a different decision for yourself, what does that mean about you? How would that make you feel? And I think that the more clarity we get in those conversations with ourselves, the more we have the awareness around what would actually make me happy rather than look at how I fulfilled someone else's dream and look at what it did to me physically, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. I always think when you were talking, I was thinking back to when I was a kid and we would have like those choose your own adventure books in our school library. And I was always the one that was like, and I had friends that were the opposite. I had friends that were like, once they chose the path, they were going to read, they were going to do it that they didn't care about the other. They were like, I can't think about the other path because this is the one I chose. But I was always the kid that was like, but what if, what if I had chosen option B and gone down that path? Like I wanted to explore all the different possibilities that that book had to offer in different ways. And so I think that that's a great kind of and I'm such a visual person. It's a great like visual image I have in my mind of like what you were explaining of going back and going, okay, I've already chosen path A, but what would path B look like? Or maybe even like path B, but like, then you go off on path C or, you know, keep going down these different paths until you get to the point where you're like, this is really my heart speaking and not all the other voices. And I think it goes back to, to the idea of like, we have to be comfortable being quiet and being with our own thoughts and being okay, being with our own thoughts. Cause that's also a little bit intimidating sometimes because it can be scary up there. Yeah, it can (laughs) be. And I remember, um, we moved into this house about a year ago and like I said, we're kind of up in the mountains. So I'm out of the city for the first time in my life. And I remember I was sitting on the grass with the dogs and I heard the birds chirping and I was like, I hear the birds chirping. It's almost like I had never heard the birds chirping. That's how quiet it was in my head. And it freaked me out at first. I was like, oh no, oh, we can hear the birds chirping. <laughs> Everybody, calm <laughs> down, it's going to be fine. No panic. And then I was like, whoa, I've gotten to a point where it's this quiet and I'm okay. And I can hear birds chirping and I can appreciate silence and nature and being with myself. And it's not scary. It's actually really peaceful. If you had told me that four or five years ago when I lived in LA and was in the rat race of television, I would have thought you were insane. I'm like, no, that's the worst idea ever. And I think it's reteaching our bodies and our brains and our neural pathways about what is safe. 
and what feels good because we're not going to know that hearing birds chirping and being okay with quiet is a safe thing until we reteach ourselves that that is safe and it's okay to calm down and to ground and to be quiet and to know that there is safety within our bodies. And that does take time. This is not an overnight thing, but it's a practice of every day of learning to listen to ourselves, learning to trust ourselves in the smallest ways. Like today I want to eat this. If you're, it's like, um, is it runaway bride when she doesn't know what kind of eggs she wants? Yes. That's what this is. She's teaching herself to trust herself with the littlest thing of like, what egg do I like? I'm not going to conform to what someone else wants. I'm not going to morph into this thing so that it appeases them. I'm going to choose what eggs I like. And I like sunny side up eggs and that tastes good to me. And so when someone asks me, I'm going to choose that and it's going to taste good again. And I get to do that. And that's just small ways that we learn trust. It doesn't have to be this like giant career leaping thing to start. We can work our way up to that, though I'm crazy. And I like to start with that. You can start your way with baby steps and then lean into whatever that feels like and learn what those nudges feel like. And that knowing within yourself and that trust so that when the bigger things come, it's so much easier. Oh my gosh. This has been such a good conversation. I really really appreciate like not only your openness and your honesty with your story, but just you have such good insights and you really, you can tell that you have done the work. And I love that you are now on a mission to help other women do the work themselves. So I thank you so much for being here and sharing. I would love for you to tell people where they can find you to get in touch with you, follow you on social media. Um, I know you said you have the soul fire production. So tell us a little bit about that also. Yeah. So soul fire is um, production company. We have about 40 shows. We do everything for our podcasters. Um, if you do full production with us, we also have a pod course to teach you how to do it on your own. We have strategy calls. If you need help, just trying to figure out what's going on, but you're doing it on your own. We can give you insight and guidance, um, on growth and different things like that. Um, and we also can launch your show. So we'll do a full launch for you in six weeks and then hand it over to you with all the templates and everything ready. Um, so you can find out more about that at soulfireproductionsco.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at Kelly T Moore and kellymore.co. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. Thanks, Kendra. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And as always, you can find any links or resources mentioned in today's show down in the show notes. And if we're not friends outside of the podcast yet, then what are you waiting for? Come find me on Instagram at Girl Means Business send me a DM letting me know what you thought of today's episode or any of the past episodes you've listened to. You can also take a screenshot of today's episode and post it to your stories tagging at Girl Means Business and I'll give you a shout out on my page. I love connecting with you and hearing all about your business and can't wait to get to know you more. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will meet you back here next week, same time, same place.